tired, but it's exciting to be here. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing good. Pretty you know, solid. I say that every week that I'm doing good, but yeah, consistency it, is not a bad place to it's be. It's important, and also there's worse things to be pretty good at. You know, yeah. If you're like, hey, I'm pretty good, That's you're doing pretty good in life. Yeah. You get see what I did there? Man, this is already going <laughs> off the rails. All right, so let's go. We're going to talk about a ton of cool stuff today. This is an exciting episode. Not only are we announcing our next game for uh, the game club, we're also going to be kind of uh, wrapping up Bully on part three here. But before we do that, there's some uh, shenanigans. I got to I gotta call out. I do not have control of the TikTok. As was learned this week, when a particular TikTok was put up, Talking about how one of the hosts, I wonder who that host was, <laughs> was not going to allow us to play Sonic Adventures 2. And TikTok rallied around this, feeling this was a crime against them. A <laughs> uh, bunch of people saying how they want to pl- see us play Sonic Adventures 2. And if we're going to play Sonic Adventures 2, I got to get something out of it. All right? If you're going to suffer... If, if I'm gonna make you suffer through Sonic Adventure 2, you're gonna you're gonna want something out of this. Exactly, I'm gonna get something out of it. There's gotta be a a quid pro quo kind of situation going on here. <laughs> All right. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna do a little challenge. Internet loves challenges. If we get in the next, uh, let's put two, let's put two weeks before the next. Oh, we we spoiled it. Oh, cut should, that out. Should we wind the clock back? Yeah, yeah, put something there. Put the glass shadow part there. <laughs> <laughs> As I spoiled the the announcement. Um, I mean, it's in the description for this episode, too. No, it's not. I it's never not. put the description. I don't put the next game in the description. Okay. Yeah, yeah I keep it sneaky. I keep it all sneaky. Um, this is a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff just to cover the fact that I spoiled the announcement. Um, no, but before the next game club, so in two weeks, if we can get five... Five star reviews on iTunes, and in the reviews, the only thing you have to put, you can put something else. You can say, hey, these guys are great, or something like that. Or you can put, play Sonic Adventure 2, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. If we get five of those before the next game club, uh, after the next game, we will play Sonic Adventure 2. I will I will make that agreement. We will We will suffer. But I diagram I'm getting something I'm getting something out of this if I'm gonna have to play Sonic Adventures 2. So that's your <laughs> challenge, TikTok. That's your challenge. State of the save. Listeners, see what we can do there. I'm kinda hoping this doesn't happen. But I <laughs> that got That game's a wild trip. It's, I know, it's insane. Uh, I know Nick wants us to play it too, so I'm outnumbered. <laughs> but those five reviews, you give me five five-star reviews on iTunes for State of the Save, and we'll, we'll do this. We'll make this happen. Um, before we jump into the game we're actually playing, Bully, let's talk about some video games we've been playing other than Bully. Michael, you've been playing some stuff. Yeah. I've been checking out some stuff here and there because uh, the main thing that was eating away from my backlog was Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I have finished Mass Effect 3. I'm saving the Citadel DLC to play later, because I think that plays best 
separate from the main story because it's like a last hurrah completely out of tone with mass effect 3 it's probably the best dlc they've done probably besides where the shadow broker because it's more like because it's uh like your last adventure with your companions and everything that you've spent years uh alongside it's almost like a reunion episode of a sitcom it i've heard it akin to a christmas special yeah that's exactly what it feels like complete with like you do a mission and then you have a big party with everybody and all these characters interacting and with each other the only reason i say like a reunion special is it's such a low-key kind of event and everyone's just like talking like there's not a lot of like you know, it's not a lot of stakes to anything everybody's just kind of talking and hanging out and you're seeing characters interact with each other that usually might not interact with much mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i get what you're saying it's almost like hey i can pop this in anytime and play the citadel dlc i don't need to be coming fresh off of mass effect 3 or anything and plus if you pick a not the spoil 3 but if you pick a certain ending you can kind of in your head canon make it seem like it's after the events of 3 and go yay we did it we saved the day blah 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 that should have just been it should have just been added to the game like pick this route to get the citadel ending (laughs) where everybody (laughs) can have the enjoyable ending i just want to have a good time with my friends and uh (laughs) eat some food and uh, have a big party Instead of going left or right at that ending, you just go straight up the middle and get the good fun ending. I want the party ending. Give me the party. Like, make it real blatantly obvious, too. Like, there's, like, a balloon at the end of the path or something. <laughs> I mean, that's a heck of an accomplishment. You've played through all three of those in probably, what, about two months? Yeah. About two months? Yeah. So, are you, like, you know, Mass Effect is coming back, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, are you sitting here now more jazzed for the prospect of going back into a new Mass Effect? Yes, very much so. Having Leviathan inside the package as a whole and not like a separate DLC, like, it doesn't fix the problems, but it course corrects it, the ending, in an interesting way to the point where you ask, why wasn't this a part of the main game? Like, now people will experience that and having a squad mate in your party that completely changes the dynamic of three in general that was a day one dlc that you had to grab i so i know most of the people who i've talked to who played three never had that squad mate and i'm like you have a lesser game because of it i did not have the squad mate now like you can make the argument like well it was day one dlc you should have but you know what like at that point i dropped 60 bucks I was uh, a young man, not you know, making a ton of money at the time. Mm-hmm. So to say, hey, drop sixty bucks on day one and buy this DLC. I didn't think at the time I needed to. It's too much for like fans of the series who have been sticking with it to ask for day yeah. one. But at the same time, they separated out because they knew they could get that money. It was it was a people. it it's, was a shady business deal. Um, EA in the early if you think EA is bad now, er, EA in the early twenty tens was like. Uh, they were the, ruthlessly, the, ruthlessly tone deaf, is why I would say. Yes. Like, uh, there's that famous, there's that famous bit with, um, um, uh, what's that? Dante's Inferno, where they paid people to fake protest their game, saying it was like demonic cult worship or something, just so they could get like fake online internet outrage going. Because like that's how you plug your game sales. You know, it was. What a, uh, <laughs> And the Mass Effect 3 situation in particular, that ending it was to me, because I didn't play it through with the DLC, 
was so kind of a, a letdown and kind of a bummer ending, the concept of progressing from that point in the story to another game felt kind of lame. And now, like, the concept of after talking to you and hearing about the Leviathan DLC and what it brings to the table, and one day I will play through these things again. I'll probably do it before there's a, another Mass Effect coming out. Um, it just feels like, you know somebody at that studio at BioWare was like, hey, this is a bad call. Mm-hmm. And someone with a, a higher rank in the business side Someone who goes into work with a suit every day. Said, yeah, walked in there and said, it, you know, screw your bad call. We can make a lot of money. And the only thing it did was it diminished a lot of people's feelings on that ending. And we've talked this thing to death. We have a Mass Effect episode on the feed. Well, maybe you can go t- listen to this. Mm-hmm. But I am glad to see that this is like this is the definitive edition. It's like the Lord of the Rings extended editions, where mm-hmm. it's like here, this is the complete thing. You can watch this now. You can play this now, and you know you get the whole thing. You now know what's cool about Mass Effect. So I'm glad that this thing was released. It seems like a hell of a deal. Um, it's. Uh... The complete package sells for as much as any like new video game, and that's it's incredible deal. Yeah, because you're going to play these multiple times. You're not just going to play it once. You're going to want to see well, also how the branching paths kind of these games have so much DLC in them that you're getting in this package. It's like if you want to talk about like the cost it's a three hundred dollar value or whatever, yeah. it probably if you were to buy this stuff as it came out, it would probably have come out to be around three hundred bucks. If you were to go right now into the Microsoft store and buy the DLC for three for the Xbox three sixty, it would cost you just as much as the legendary edition with everything. Because those those the big packs like Shadow Broker, like Citadel, you know, like um, Leviathan. Yeah, those things are hefty price tags along with hefty amount of content. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this thing's a – if you have any interest at all, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see that you've, you know, you've enjoyed your re, retread back through those games. Like I said, I'm going to probably do that eventually. And it's uh, Mass Effect is a good franchise. It just has that one little blight that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be fading into history somewhere. Do you think in like 10 years after like Mass Effect, I guess they'll call it 4, I don't know what they'll call it, um, comes out, do you think Andromeda will be like this like weird thing people will start to defend in 10 years? Like people will come out and be like, hey, you know Andromeda was actually pretty good, you know? It was a good video game. The, the fact that we do have the Legendary Edition now and the prospect of Mass Effect 4 coming... It's not getting as much hate as I see. The prospect of going back to Andromeda is still something I don't want to do anytime soon, at least. But when people look back at Andromeda, every, people just shrug and go, eh, the combat was cool. Yeah. And that, that's the end of that discussion. And I was like, yeah, the combat is fun. I, I just wonder, because every once in a while, those kind of games that I always view as like, not failures, but, well, yeah, let's say failures. They will, you know, when time passes, and it's a lot of times people who played it after it was fixed, quote-unquote, a lot of the 
you know, uh, the stability issues and stuff. Your like Fallout seventy so, sixes of yeah, the world. People come in, they're like, "Hey, these games are great. What's wrong? Why did everybody complain?" <laughs> and you know, it's just interesting to see that kind of pop up. You know, five six years after the game's been released, and you know, we run a show that's all about going back to old video games. So I understand reevaluating your opinions on games. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder if Andromeda in like five to six years or ten more years all of a sudden has a defense force out there being like, Andromeda was pretty solid. Oh, give us a good video game. Um, what else have you been playing other than Mass Effect? So now that I finished Mass Effect, I finally got to a game that's been on my PS5 hard drive since it was free. I started Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm not far enough into it to talk about it, but in like great lengths. But I really like Aloy. She's a great character. And the world itself is super interesting. That it seems like that is the main focus of, like, my interest in the game. The individual story beats seem cool, but I'm more interested in how the world, like, took its shape. It's, um, very quickly became, like, one of, like, I guess, Sony's tentpole franchises. Mm-hmm. You know, the sequel's coming out. Uh, they did comics. A bunch of comics were, you know, released. Um, you know, it's just interesting how that game kind of blew up. It's a it's a game that interests me. If you look at like um, Sony's future releases, that those both the you know, original game and the sequel look to be beautiful freaking games. Like they're just gorgeous looking. Uh, it's weird that that's Gorilla, isn't it? Yeah. It's weird that the Killzone, the Killzone, <laughs> the Killzone guys who've made technically impressive video games, but I would never call them like pretty. You know, went yeah. on and made. <laughs> A game that's like, here's some beautiful environments. <laughs> you know, it's just weird that that's what that progressed. We talked about the Witcher sunsets. This sunset is like, we're going to have the sunset with some lens flare over like a semi-dirty camera lens. And it's going to be great. That's, I, so you're like, this is... I was I, like, you went for a style here and I greatly appreciate it. It seems like a game I would enjoy. Just I think I open, like, would like that kind of game. So you know from like the advertising and everything that like this game is all like, uh, like past like it looks like like a typical fantasy game and then the giant robots come in that's kind of how like they do like the opening you think you're like just playing oh this seems like it's a typical fantasy game and then all of a sudden there's giant robots walking around so like instantly it's like what is this world this is cool well it's like a it's like a post 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 future kind of world where like basically (laughs) we got super advanced as a society and then something happened and then we got super not advanced yeah i will probably have a lot more to talk about over like the next few uh episodes once i get deeper into it because i'm only like four hours in or something so pretty light yeah i mean i would like to hear your thoughts on that game that's a game that's on the list of stuff i would like to play um like i said just a gorgeous gorgeous Mm -hmm. video game um anything else more final fantasy 7 remake that continues to be good uh and uh i finally jumped into hades hey finally hades is a damn good video game i know it's coming to game pass but that physical switch copy was just no staring at me in the face and was like hey you want a a soundtrack and an art book i'm like kind of yeah the art in that game is really good it is really good the art is like i've made the joke like a million times that everybody's too sexy but also like just the style of that (laughs) is a great art style um my favorite thing is you talking on the discord about bosses that like like you were talking about meg and like uh, getting down her pattern and like that game for me is like i'll fail like six runs in a row at meg 
who's mm-hmm. like really the first main boss. And then I'll it beat makes- her, and then I'll go like four bosses in on that mm-hmm. run. And then the next run I'll fail. I can't get past her for two runs, and I'll go like another four bosses through. Um, She'll comment on it too. What's, what I love about the game is that I haven't run into any repeat dialogue. It feels organic and natural. So like if you beat Meg multiple times and you see her again, she'll just be like, hey, you took because you can just see her in the house of Hades. And she's like, hey, did you <laughs> what happened? You took me down the last couple times, and now you like you have given up. You're what are you doing? Like you'll sometimes meet her in like the bar, mm-hmm. and she'll be sitting there. It's this weird little experience. Like you know, I'm gonna keep trying, right? It's like yeah, I know you'll keep trying. You're gonna keep failing too. <laughs> but like the idea that because the game story wise, I'm not gonna spoil any story stuff for yeah. Hades, but the concepts of everyone knows you're trying to escape. So there's no, like, super hostility about it. Like, Megs knows that you're going to try the next day to get out of there, and she's going to have to be stopping you. So, like, there's this weird, like, sense of just, like, so here I go again, trying to escape again, you know? <laughs> um, that game, I, I, I think that game is an amazing Switch game. Because it's a great pickup, do a run, just kind of. I don't want to play it anywhere through. else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to. I'm gonna probably fiddle around with it on the Xbox version just because I want to see what that game looks like. It does have know. a cross uh, save feature with Steam, so I wonder when it comes to Xbox and PS4, PS5, if it does have that. If that cross save is like expanded a bit. I hope so. I would love because if so, I, I would just be like, oh, instead of docking this, I'll just go back and forth between game pass and my switch save yeah it's um what's your before we progress on what's your main weapon you're using uh the lance seems to be getting me far i did beat meg the first time using the shield i love the shield the shield's cool i do like the lance if you get a certain upgrade instead of getting like one attack it'll branch off in like two other directions as well so that's a great like crowd control my favorite thing about the game is that I play each run differently because of the upgrades I get to the point where, like, my play style is shifting mid-run based on, like, what I'm handed, and I have to adapt on the fly. And when I find something that clicks for me in a way that didn't before, it just feels amazing. Um, you know, finding... So the game kind of uh, runs off this fact that you're getting gifts from the gods as you progress... And finding a particular god whose gifts kind of fit the playstyle you're going for in that run is very, very satisfying. Like if you're, you know, you're running through and Aphrodite is giving you like a specific upgrade that's really helping you or whatever. I find it really cool that I never feel like I'm sticking with that one god for each and every run. Like it's just like for one run I might be primarily using like Aphrodite. But then, uh, you know... Uh, Apollo or whatever would give me something next run and I'll you know be using his or whatever mm-hmm. it just it's cool that that mechanic causes you to play each run a little bit different just because depending on who you're encountering and who's giving you upgrades you got to make the best of the hand you're dealt exactly and I I haven't done any of the branching stuff yet but there is something cool where it tries to encourage you to do weapons you haven't used in a while because like oh you'll get a boost in what your your currency that carries over between runs, you'll get a boost in that if you use this weapon this run. 
And because of that, you're like more enticed to try different play styles. It's it's an incredible video game. You, like it's I will, will encourage everybody to at least try Hades. If you hate roguelikes, this is the one to try. I I said one time to you, this was probably during the Christmas show where we did our rankings of games from last year. Um, that roguelikes are not like that's not a genre that I particularly love. Like mm-hmm. uh, of our hosts, Nick is probably the roguelike guy. Um, this and Dead Cells are games that they ex- they transcend being a roguelike. Into the Breach was one I really liked. Yeah, I have not played Into the Breach. Yeah, but I I hear great things. I imagine I would like it. But like there's no feeling in this of when you fail, you don't feel like you completely wasted time. And with the way the story progresses and the way the dialogue is when you get back, sometimes failing triggers just a completely new di- new story moment. It's cool because when I die, I'm like, the first thing I think of is not like, ah, oh, crap, I died. It's, uh, oh, man, my dad's going to give me hell for this one. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, when I get back, who's going to be talking to who? Or is there going to be a new character you know, at the uh, you know the base there at the at home. Oh, I got some essence to give to somebody so they can like bless me with uh, just an upgrade or something. That yeah. maybe that'll help me next run. You're always, even on a bad run. This is something I like more than any roguelike I played. Even on a bad run, you always feel like you're moving forward or like that you can move forward. It feels excellent, and there is a god mode setting that if you feel like you're i'm never going to use it but if you feel like you're beating your head on the wall over and over again you have the option to hit god mode and it's not like you're invincible it's you get stronger every run like your attack your base attack score will be higher every single run you do almost like hey we're going to help you finish this and i think some of that matters is the fact that this game has a strong story Mm mm-hmm so i would see like if you get to the point in which you are just frustrated with not being able to get to the ending and see the ending of that story, um, that would probably be something that would be like justified as like, hey, I'm just not sure if I'm going to ever get to see what actually is going on here. Putting that on, finishing it. But I agree that I wouldn't jump to that because I think it kind of takes away from the combat experience. If you are, if you struggle with like this style of video game and just like difficult, what not that's really difficult, but like challenging games that have a lot going on on screen, I urge you to try it because you will find yourself upgrading and being naturally better at the game as you go. But I'm glad that option's there for people who struggle with that. Yeah, I mean, like if you're just, you know, you don't have a ton of time to devote to this game, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a good option, I think. I And that's something Supergiant kind of does. Like if you even think back to our playthrough of Bastion, Oh, I'm a huge – after what? Bastion was what made me want to pick up Hades, yes. and because of this, I feel like I'm a huge super giant fan now. Like, I want to check out everything these guys have done. The um, But if you talk about a playthrough of Bastion, you mm-hmm. remember that Bastion even had a, like, easier progression mode where you would not lose um, – you didn't have just the one saving life. You had um, unlimited, I believe. So if you died, you could just restart that same spot. There was an option for that. And not lose anything. Yeah, and not lose yeah. anything. So they they have some accessibility stuff in their games that I think is smart to put in there because it doesn't hurt anything to say, hey, this is how we think you should probably play the game, but 
but here is a way that you know if you're maybe new to video games or you want to experience this story like a game like bastion where the story ending is very important uh here's a way that you can get to that a little bit a little bit smoother indie games have done that stuff very well and even on like a lot of the big triple a games i do find myself going into the accessibility menu because there's some stuff in there that i'll use like sure add a background to subtitles make the subtitles bigger make text overall bigger accessibility options are becoming ways that like i can i'm taking advantage of and using them which way it should be exactly give give people more options to enjoy your art Mm -hmm. don't let little things take away from someone's ability to make sure they can enjoy a game exactly yeah um i've been playing a few things uh necromunda is almost done i'm don't say the dumb (laughs) joke for the love of god um we also i've been fiddling i fiddle around with dark alliance which came out um that is on my hard drive i have not picked it up because i saw some things going around about Here's that the thing. Game. It's a video game as video game. Okay. Uh, I did not play a ton of it. I will probably try to keep playing some of it. It's kind of set up sort of like if you played the Vermintide series, where it's a, a hub ward that you can trigger missions from. It looks like at a point you can trigger them out of order if you want to. Um, pick a character, level up that character, all that fun stuff. Um, combat in that game is pretty simplistic. It, it it just strikes me as a video game as a video game where it's like there's not a ton going on. Okay. It's not something that I would um, rush out and pay $60 for right now. What? I think it's I, a $40 game, I want to say. Okay, I, I played it on Game Pass. Yeah, so. So, Game Pass. If you're going to play it, play it there. Yeah, play it there. Um, I, I picked the Archer lady. Uh, she's... It feels fine to play. I didn't have some of the online problems that other people have been running into, but it's okay. It's okay. I was kind of disappointed with it because I liked the concept of, like, maybe this could be a fun online co-op game we could all play. And we might need to still play some of it just to see. I would like to play some with y'all just to see how it it goes with having friends on there. But um, the one thing I did think the whole time, because it reminded me a lot of that Vermintide series, was like that that game has a lot more to it now we probably if you're going to play one of those go should play the vermintide series mm-hmm. uh this is a little bit light-hearted especially compared. with a 40k version of vermintide coming out dark tide which is um the 40k uh version of that game which is very exciting but it it's okay okay um not a lot to talk about there what i do want to talk about a little bit is super metroid <laughs> You know, uh, that's a video game. Super Metroid. I've been playing Super Metroid on the Switch. It's crazy seeing everybody try to go back and ever since the announcement of Metroid Dread, go back and play a bunch of Metroid games and finding out people's frustration going, why can't I play Metroid Fusion anywhere? I Metroid Fusion is, is probably my favorite Metroid game of all time. Um, I have it on Game Boy Advance problem is i can't find my game boy event oh no (laughs) it's somewhere around here but i don't know where that is but um super metroid i went back to super metroid it's on the super nintendo switch online app online app thing which has actually got some good stuff on there i actually play a lot of stuff on those two apps you know but um i'm about i always use the upgrades as my like 
point to tell how far along I am in a Metroid game. So I'm about six upgrades in, you know. Yeah. Um, those games are incredibly still well designed. I don't feel Super Metroid is as obtuse as I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Like I remember banging my head on that game for days just trying to figure out where to go uh, i might just be i'm older and i'm better at navigating maps um but that game is uh it's a damn good video game it's got some good little bosses in it uh i feel like i feel like i might try to finish this thing i've finished it before but i uh i'm enjoying sitting there just chopping away at super metroid at night i'm not doing any online guides i'm not looking anything up i am at one spot where i am kind of stuck where i need to go i have a theory on how to get past a particular area that i need to be in but i'm not sure if i have the right upgrade or not but uh it's a i'm excited to see that people are going back and enjoying the metroid franchise Mm -hmm. um i'm hoping that with dread coming out that maybe this is like the uh we can all be at like a fever pitch by the time Dreg comes out, you know, everybody's like, oh, I just got done finishing Fusion or, you know, due, due to uh, Immolation or whatever. Fusion and Zero Missions, I saw, is now on the top. It is the number one game on the Wii U uh, game store. So people are pulling out their Wii U's to play the virtual console releases of Fusion and Zero Mission. Fusion also was on the 3DS eShop, but it was only given to 3ds ambassadors aka as an apology if you bought the 3ds when it first came out before they dropped the price like three months in so it was like oh you get some super nintendo games and uh zero mission or not zero mission uh, fusion. Uh, fusion which is a I mean, to make an argument fusion is a good apology it's good, it, I mean, it's, it's they have pretty, good video okay like, yeah okay this is worth it sure yeah but <laughs> Um, but they never gave it to anyone else. The concept that this thing is not like no one's rushing out a fusion slash zero mission port onto Switch is stupid to me. Like, how hard is that? Like, I I get it's not like switch the switch the Switch and it'll pop up on there. No, that's not how it works. But um, it's amazing to me that no one's like, hey, quick, let's get ourselves a. a we fusion, could be making zero all the money from this. Put that thing out on Switch eShop today, and I bet you a lot of people, including me, would buy it. You don't need to put it on an app. Just be like, hey, Metroid Fusion, 15 bucks, And I'll be like, I'll, go, I'll buy that right now. The I'll, second. I'd, either you put it on there for 15 bucks, or you put both of them on there and say, you probably get 30 bucks out of people for you know, Fusion for and Fusion, Zero, Zero Mission. Mission. Oh, yeah, Zero Mission, I'd pay 30 bucks yeah, for. That's you, my favorite Metroid. Think, if you put both of them on there and call it the Metroid, I don't know, something in addition Mm -hmm. you know people would buy that damn thing in a heartbeat i would um it is cool that you can play super metroid on uh the uh, super nintendo app on the switch uh it's worth going on there uh i wish they put more stuff on those two apps uh they'll they'll kind of hit or miss they sometimes recently they've been just like the most baffling things oh yeah hey we did the work to make this Japanese-only puzzle game release in English for the first time. I'm like, cool, but you are you haven't put Super Mario RPG on here. You're missing Chrono Trigger. Like, yeah. what? what is... I, I get... I, I would want all of, like, the obscure... I'm someone who likes obscure video games. 
but I'm I'm to the point now where I'm like, do I I'm like, do I need another Joe and Matt game on here? Well, like I'm I I'm you gotta good. hit you gotta hit the hits first before you go obscure, right? Like if you had like for the Super yeah Super Nintendo app, uh, Chrono Trigger, you had um, Super Mario RPG, you had all those on there already. Now it's time to go obscure. Yeah, but. When you, I'm going on there, and there's clear like missing items from this. That's when I'm like, wait, like, seriously, like we're not, we don't have this, you know? Like I feel like that's the point where it's, especially the. There's Nite- no Earthbound. Yeah. Which is another like, I mean, Nintendo has never treated its Earthbound fans uh, well to begin with. No, but so I yeah I I agree. There's um there's a. A lack of some content there. But uh, Super Metroid, it's a game worth going back to. It's mm. pretty good. Uh, speaking of video games worth going back to, let's, let's get into a conversation about what we're here to talk about. Uh, this episode, we are finishing Bully with Bully Chapter 5. We left off Bully with Jimmy kind of, uh, he's uh, extended, he's become head of the school. He's top dog. He's top dog. He's a big man on campus. My first note for this was Pimp Daddy Jimmy. <laughs> he has his collar popped and yeah, everything. He's running things. And like the title said, Michael, what was the title of this chapter? The Fall and Rise of Jimmy Hopkins, age 15. One of the greatest chapter names in all video games. Um, we are now seeing the Gary's grand plan come into fruition. The dominoes are in place. All uh, it's cool. All the cl- for the first cutscene, all the clicks are together in the dorm room. He's united everyone, essentially. Yeah. Like he's literally yeah. All everyone's united under the Jimmy banner. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Pete is the only one who's like, hey, remember Jimmy? He has no sway now. He used to like. Can, could get through to Jimmy, but Jimmy's too far now to where Pete has no sway at all in his decision making. Jimmy's got such a large ego right now. I am surprised he can fit into the door. You know, <laughs> and my favorite thing is how easily he is convinced to go and do the, uh, basically make his mark on the town by literally spray painting on top of the city hall. Um, and it's such a like. The way he responds when it's suggested is such a, like, damn right I could do that. Why can't I? I'm Jimmy Hopkins. Who's going to stop me? You know, he's just, the ego's up through the roof. Um, when That's a great first mission for this chapter because it's kind of the pinnacle of Jimmy at his pure, most egotistical self. Like, I need to take on the town. I need to let the town know who I am. The school knows who I am, but now the town's got to know. <laughs> like, if this continues, Jimmy's going to be running for, like, state senator or something. <laughs> but, oh, um, no, that's Derby's job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's a fun little mission to tag the city hall. I, I enjoyed the whole um, climbing down with the police down there and having to, like, navigate getting by the cops. Because you have to, like, find the right spot to take a picture of it. Too. Yeah. So you're, you're being, like chased by like just random people and cops you gotta run around to tire them out pull out your camera just take a picture and then run (laughs) and then take off it literally feels like a game of tag where you're like oh there's a guy here he's coming at me i'm gonna use my geometry to put him me between him because you don't want to use your weapons on him because if you use your weapon on him they'll get mad to the point where 
if they catch you, that's an automatic fail state. Yeah, you so, can't do the the double tap Y and get out of it kind of thing. Yeah. You can't do that. Um, it's a fun mission. It's the last time Jimmy is the man. He t- and the thing he spray paints on is bull worthless, which is great. That's a it's great... it's it's what you would think was clever as a as a fourteen year old. Um, you proceed to then go through and basically each click is going to come under fire or come under attack, and you as the man in charge now, like it's kind of a fun thing that. Like, well, you're the leader. Fix it. Why are you letting all this happen? He was gone. He even comments. He was like, I was gone for two hours (laughs) and everything goes to hell when I come back. Jimmy, literally the moment he stepped off of school grounds, everything went to pot. (laughs) But, um, so, you know, you start off with dealing with rats in the library. Not my favorite mission of these because targeting those rats was kind of a pain in the butt (laughs) using the slingshot. Uh, but the nerds instantly turn on you, which is kind of par for the course for the nerds. <laughs> they but, have no allegiance. Yeah, they're kind of they'll still they'll flip on you in a heartbeat. Um, the gym is on fire. The gym is on fire. That's like legitimately put. At, at that point, I was like, because I knew it was Gary, but at that point, I was like, Gary's escalated to now like near homicide. <laughs> like he is. Like people are trapped. Kids under, are pinned down. <laughs> people are trapped under barring debris. Jimmy is, and like then at this point I was like, why is anyone mad at Jimmy Hopkins? He ran into a burning building and rescued like ten children. He's a damn hero. Um, the you think it's gonna be Gary because like oh there's a weird guy like downstairs and everything and you get there and he's like uh someone from the town. This is the introduction of the townies, which is kind of late in the game to like bring them out. Um. It makes sense when you get to the end of it, but mm-hmm. I kind of wish you would have dealt with them a little bit beforehand. Maybe some side missions or something. We'll talk about it more in this chapter. This chapter has the most story going on. It's the most broad in terms of like its scope, but it's also, because of that, it feels like it's over in a minute, and not a lot of the things it introduces has a lot of time to breathe. Like, we'll get into Zoe's character. Yeah. Like, and how she's, like, one of the more interesting characters in the game, but then they just... She's introduced, and then she it, we're at the ending. Yeah. Like, I, same I thing wish with, she was a presence earlier in the game. That entire section of town, where the townies kind of are, is not really explored very well until this chapter, but by the time you really get to get accustomed to it you're all right the game's over you know yeah um you have to break johnny out of a insane asylum the escalation of these missions have been really good it went from we're like it went from putting rats in the library to trying to burn children alive to locking a child in an insane asylum (laughs) um this is where was Manhunt released before Bully? I can look that up now. I, I want to say they were similar times. Because I was sitting there navigating the insane insane asylum mission to break Johnny out, and I was like, "This is straight up out of Manhunt." Oh, Man- Manhunt was a 2003 game, so this was three years before Bully. Yeah. I felt like this was a manhunt kind of like mission mixed in here because you're literally dodging orderlies 
you at one point get an orderly uniform and go and break Johnny out using that. It and almost then have felt to, like, like a hitman mission to me, just because you're like sneaking through, get the disguise, and you can just walk through, no problem. There's a couple of it's got an instant fell safe fell state in the uh, you get spotted, you are kicked out kind of thing. At least you don't fully fail the mission. I At got, least it has the decency to throw you out. I got spotted in one of the guys who's behind glass, behind a door. And it's very hard to tell when he was going to be looking at you or not, even with the vision cone. And I opened the door, and like I didn't even step inside the room, and he caught me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no. I got to go all the way back to Bullworth. <laughs> and I got to go talk to freaking um, Lola. And then go all the way to the asylum. And I was like, no, it, it takes you right back outside. So that's kind of a... I did fully fail this mission because I started it at night. So 2 a.m. rolled around oh. and I immediately passed out and woke up uh, in my dorm room. I, I had a couple missions where I was really pushing it on time. <laughs> where I was like, I got like 30 minutes to finish this. Um, the I like the uh, the concept that you go to some like really unique locations in this chapter between the insane asylum and the um the, the industrial part plant, yeah well the chemical plant like it takes you some some uh, weird environments uh, breaking Johnny out was interesting the part where you're just like literally running for it with Johnny through the insane asylum is a fun. Um, because I was kind of like trying to get through some of these missions, I was just wearing the orderly uniform throughout a couple <laughs> of these. That was kind of fun. Um, he Johnny frames as he's the first time he's like, "Oh, the dropouts were the ones who set me up. They called the orderlies on me because I was acting crazy over Lola." Wh- so, which is like, yeah, the first time you realize that there's another faction being introduced, mm-hmm. and also it's one each faction has been taken a hit. Um, Will will take a hit because you have the nerds took a hit with the library. The admittedly the nerds got off kind of easy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the jocks with the tempting to burn them alive. Uh, Johnny getting thrown in a sane asylum, and then we will get to the preps. What happens to them? Um, on the way back to Borth is when I ran into Zoe. Um, and it's kind of a weird thing because you meet Zoe. She basically says that she was kicked out of... Um, she reported the gym teacher for being a creep and was dropped out. Which has been yeah. established if we want to go back to the Panty Raid mission. Can we not go back to the no, Panty Raid don't mission? <laughs> but it's been established that he's a freaking creep. So it's like, oh, when she says that, it's, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. It finally breaks justification for something that happened earlier on. Yeah. Like, that's weird. And it, so... It feels good. Yeah, it feels like he gets his comeuppance, mm-hmm. especially at the end. There's a part I want to talk about when we get to the end of this game. But, um, you know, she's like, yeah, he's a freaking creep. And, he, and I reported him, and they kicked me out. So now I'm here, you know. And uh, you do a really kind of fun little mission where he jogs every day in the park. So you, as you destroy all the portal potties, then you proceed to knock the portal potty he is on off a cliff. <laughs> um, it's the only time you drive a lawnmower in this game. No, it's not. Is, it, is there a side mission I missed? If you are caught a few times but not sent to a class, uh, you will be forced to do chores to uh, as your punishment. Oh, I never did the chores. And so you, some of the chores are like mowing the lawn. I believe there's something like picking up trash or something. 
Okay. And there's also lawn mowing missions you can do to earn money in the early game relatively quickly. I did not do any of those. I got my job feel from No More Heroes. Yeah. Um, one thing that with Zoe that's interesting to me is the concept that she's she's thrown in here as like your like each chapter has like a gar associated with it, I guess. Yeah. But she definitely has a lot more going on with herself than most people. As I said before, she is the most interesting. She's definitely the most interesting female character in this game, but she's also one of the more interesting characters overall in the game. Yeah, she's got something actually going on. She's a little bit more than just a stereotype. Like, all the other characters are kind of just stereotypes or just, like, a character. I mean, you could argue that she is, like, what, 2006? She's, like, the the punk rock, like, uh, scene kid thing going on, but... Yeah, yeah. you could, but I don't know. There's... I liked her character more than I liked most of the other characters. Yeah. Um, she's also probably, of the Gars, is probably the most interesting one of all. Oh, easily, easily. Not um, even close. I like the mission that you get back at the gym teacher because we've all been talking about how he's a creep and it's fun to see him get his comeuppance. Yes, exactly. Um, then we get into the, the preps, what's happened to them, their attack. And theirs is, they got off kind of easy too. They had those trophies stolen. When it, Whenever you think of going to an insane asylum and nearly being murdered by arson, uh, having your trophy cases, like, stolen and then uh, burned is, um, not the, not the worst thing that could happen to you overall. Like, at least they didn't try to murder you, let's be real. I mean, same thing with, like, having rats released in the library. It's not like you can't, like... This is an inconvenience for me. (laughs) Oh, no, this is slightly problematic. Not, oh, no, I'm going to burn to death. (laughs) Like, I feel like there's an escalation there. (laughs) Um, This is when you actually, like, discover that it's the townies doing stuff. Um, you take a photo of the them putting rats in a box. <laughs> and the photos mean nothing. Like, they're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no one cares to even look at them. But then you take a photo of them uh, burning the trophies. You also get in your first, for me, you got my first fight with a townie. And they're tougher than the jocks. Yeah. Like, they will beat the crap. I lost the first fight. They fight dirty. There's only they'll- one guy on the pier. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you got to beat up to get the photo of them burning the um, the uh, trophies. And uh, first of all, how you burn trophies? I'm not entirely sure. I guess those are, I mean, you could they're metal, right? I mean, that's kind of they're not hard. Not, I mean, throw kerosene on them, throw a match on I mean, there. They're going to be start, singed. It'll take a it'll take a while to like burn it, but I think you can do that like theoretically. It. I feel like if you're going or, to get or I like the idea that B- Bullard didn't front the money for like actual decent trophies. <laughs> they all plastic, bunch <laughs> <laughs> of cheap plastics. Um, but like I actually got my butt kicked, Bob, because I kind of went in there thinking I could beat him up like anybody else, and I lost, and then had to restart the entire damn chapter. Um, Thanks, Rockstar. Rockstar reminds you that they know what checkpoints are. Yeah, they do a good job near the end of this game of putting some checkpoints. Yeah, they know what they are. They just choose not to use them. Um, but, yeah, you literally take those photos back to the preps, and they're like, screw your pictures. Why didn't you do anything about it? And it's like, dude, what? I was gone for two hours. <laughs> and then, like, of the problems, your problems are kind of the least, you know, 
depressing other than the fact they tried to burn the jocks alive. That takes precedent over everything. Um, Even the mission tile when you're like scrolling through, you're like, okay, rats in the library. The gym is burning? <laughs> like, that, that takes precedent over everything. Uh, at this point, I did some side stuff. I just kind of fiddled around because mm-hmm. I didn't uh, – it didn't – allow you to do the next main story mission until you go to sleep um i did some right. i did some more school stuff i did i think i did grammar class which is not my strongest subject english class is so difficult like it's <sighs> also i didn't I, the time on limits me. on these classes are very strict like if you don't know your words in three minutes this uh, one was on me also because i did the one i didn't read the instructions all the way and so i thought that you had to make out the words using all the letters uh, so the first two words i made i was like okay you know bam but then i was like i have way too many letters to make. i have like three different words that are popping into my head right now that i can make <laughs> but i got way too many letters and it wasn't until about halfway through the time limit where i was like oh you can just enter it at less than you know four word count and so i went and did that and i was like oh crap you know that makes it so much easier but by that point the time limit was gone and yeah, I failed out of that one. Oh, I just, uh, I failed brutally uh, the fourth geography class, which was uh, Northern Africa with the Middle East. And I'm just yeah. like, I do, I should know this better than I do. This is really bad. I think I, I ended up pulling off all the geographies. Mm-hmm. But that's just, I, I, that's I, your subject. Yeah, it's my subject. I enjoy that. I kind of stare at maps for a living. So, you know, mm-hmm. I felt pretty confident with that, you know. Um, it's cool that that was a class added to the scholarship edition is what the edition we're playing is. And, uh, it allows you to see all of the collectibles. Once you max that out, you can see every collectible, all the transistors, the rubber bands and the, uh, grottos and gremlins cards all on your map. Yeah. So that makes collecting like a much more reasonable thing than the PS2 game. Well, you had to just like literally explore every single, or corner. pull up a guide, or pull up a guide, or but buy then the it's guide. like then it's like a huh? Wait a minute, did I do this one yet or not? <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that, big. That's problem. the worst. If you, you get to one a, left and go, which is the one I'm missing? I don't even remember. You pull up the guide when you're like almost ha- at the end of it, and you're like, oh crap, I don't know which ones I I looked at, and then you're sitting there having like, did you ever buy the strategy guides for video games? No. Okay, I never did either. I, I just used walkthroughs on like GameRevolution.com. Well, there like I'm talking before there was like I didn't have there was some strategy guides for games I ha- I remember. I don't know if I ever bought them or if I acquired them, but like for games before I had internet. So oh, it was, like, okay. You know, but it's the concept of like having a map out over <laughs> beside you, circling the ones you've done. Um, I I'm at the point now that I never would do like collectibles like that. Like you have to give me a damn good reason why I should get all these rubble bands. <laughs> um, but I do like the fact that there was like an upgrade was like here's all of the locations, just go get them. Um, the the next mission you go, you get basically the whole paged over the intercom. Go see the principal, and which is uh, like a death sentence to a 15 year old like. All the everyone knows, like, oh, you screwed up, you're in trouble. I like the fact that there is almost like a day, like if you're playing this all the way through, like in one sitting, there's going to be like a day before they call you, because it kind of gives you some time to do some side stuff and be a part of the school. Because mm-hmm. once you do that principal mission, you ain't going to no more classes, you know. 
And uh, basically, they found out that you tagged the uh, the town hall. They found out from a concerned student, yeah. <laughs> uh, concerned student who we all know who he is. And Jimmy's like, immediately like, that's Gary. And he's like, oh, Gary, uh, he's not afraid of being an unpopular leader, is what the um, principal says. The one issue I have with Gary, we'll talk about this a little bit at the end. I like that he's just a a a background player, but he's nowhere to be seen in this entire game. I just wish that maybe there was a couple more times you just saw him in the background or something because he disappears from existence between chapters 1 and chapters or chapters 2 and chapters 5. Mm-hmm. And at first I really liked that, but here you don't see him till literally the last mission. And he just, should have been taught. The one time I would have loved to see him is after you were expelled. He should have been taunting you here. Because like, he at this been, point, he like, thinks he's won. Like, why wouldn't he go and be like, ha ha, loser? Um, or at least do something in a way to where Jimmy couldn't touch him. Like, if one thing I think of, like, is if Jimmy had to walk through a video store and all the, like, the screens just displayed Gary's face, like, taunting him. Not necessarily that, but something to that effect. Like, you can't reach me. Yeah. You can't touch me. It just should have been... I'm better than you. At this point, his plans progressed. That I feel like Gary would feel comfortable enough... To reveal himself. Reveal himself. And, like, also, there's no surprise because Jimmy knows it's Gary. You know, at this point, Jimmy knows, Gary, freaking Gary got me! You know, so mm-hmm. why not reveal yourself and make your grand villain speech now? Um, I do think this is my favorite part of this game. Um, because it's literally like the combination of everything that you've had to do to, you know, to fix this problem. Jimmy comes out, he gets a pep, kind of pep talk from Pete, where he's like, okay, you're just going to give up? You're just going to, you know, <laughs> surrender? Is that what you're going to do? And he instantly goes to the character I've been wondering why he hasn't been going to for the past five chapters. He goes and gets Russell. So good to have Russell as a companion during these last bits. It's great. My favorite part is when you go to Russell's house, he opens up the garage, and Russell's just sitting on a motorcycle. Oh, when they introduced Russell, I don't know if it was part of the open world or if this was written into the scene, but as soon as Jimmy and Pete said the word Russell, it started to rain. Did it do that in your game, too? No, that must oh, have that's, been... that's the open world. It just lined up, we need Russell. It just starts pouring rain. I like, do that. I was me. like, oh, man, I hope this is scripted, but... Just the fact that the world did that for me was so was so good. It was a great. That's a great. <laughs> I wish it would have done that for me. It didn't do that for me. It was a sunny day when we did this. But finding Russell, he come rolling out on a motorcycle, <laughs> and you have to get on the the moped behind him. <laughs> Which I thought was funny that Russell gets a motorcycle and you get a moped. Um, and also it instantly tells you you're not wearing a helmet, so they're gonna try to get you. So the cops just immediately roll up on you, and it's like a police chase on this on motorcycle too. It's so uh, fun. This is is it, man. It's it's a solid sequence. Uh, Russell gets you into the the. You're basically going after the townies because yeah. they're the ones that you think Gary's been using to help facilitate all of his plans, and he kind of has. Uh, Russell's solution to everything is run into it. So there's a gate. Run into they, have the all, gate. they have all these barrels in front of it. What are we going to do? And Russell just goes, Russell! It just crashes, and there's an explosion. You think he's dead. 
And they're just like, what did he just do? And my favorite thing is, instantly the cops show up, and Russell's like, oh shit, and just runs. And you turn, and you just watch Russell run down the street as the cops are chasing after him. This feels much more like the strong, like the stronghold assault mission. Yes. Where you're like taking down like the nerd fort, first of all. And this feels like a broader explanation that you need to actually crash into the fortress and then like take down their defense grid and then go in and like take it over it's a really dude it's a solid freaking um it's a solid freaking it feels uh it's consistent with the tone of boy but the environments and everything is like completely different than what we've seen in the game so far so it changes it up in an interesting way i i I enjoy also that you run into Zoe, and Zoe instantly becomes like your inside or getting you into the uh, the plant. She's mm-hmm. helping you navigate the different like electronic locks and stuff. You have to be careful with the townies because, like I said, they're tough enemies. Uh, I found bottle rockets work pretty damn gum well. Um, oh, it yeah. might be pretty tough until you get a bottle rocket to the face. That, that potato gun will take down anybody, too. Yeah, potato gun's pretty solid, too. Um... There's a sequence in which there's like 10 of them. And she's like, don't worry about it. And she walks up there and they're just like, it's like, oh, God, cool. And then you just walk by them. And everything is, she's just like, they're so distracted. You as Jimmy literally just walk by them. Like, okay, I guess I get to walk in. Um, this all leads to what is basically a massive Thunderdome style fight with, is it Edgar? I think it's Edgar. I is think his that's name. right. Yeah. Well, you're going to be fighting with metal poles, metal doors. You said gladiator, but that last bit was just like, is this a Star Wars fight or something? We're in the middle of like this, like, what's like a carbon chamber. And the poles make like, they don't sound like metal poles. They're making like a vroom, vroom sound. So as you're like pulling them off of walls and like blocking attacks, I'm like, what in the Star Wars is this? The, uh, the shield works pretty well. I took a shield with me downstairs. Oh, I didn't. So I was able to fight him with that shield, and I think I beat him using the shield downstairs because I was able to literally just... His attack has got enough of a, a swing to it that you can usually back a few steps away and then charge in and hit him. Gotcha. And I was able to keep him kind of stun-locked. But, uh, man... I didn't take the shield fight. down, so I was, like, pulling the metal poles off a wall, so we were literally having, like, a lightsaber fight. So I was like, this is hilarious. My favorite thing is, Edgar was basically literally get Jimmy 2.0 that Pete was, like, tell, I mean, not Pete, Gary was telling him literally the same stuff he told Jimmy. Where he's like, you can take over school, you can do all this stuff. Been, you're going to get revenge at this school for not letting you win because he could not afford to go to Bullworth. Yeah. And to, one hated that place for it. My favorite thing is like Edgar starts to tell Jimmy what Gary told him and Jimmy just finishes it for him like, "Yeah, you'll be in charge of the stool. Cool." Like he's like, "I get it. I heard the same spill. Like it's all lies. He played you, man." And my favorite thing is when you come out, you obviously find out that the school is in like complete chaos. Like all the gangs are in at war it's with each other. It's a faction war going on, and and Russell is afraid of going to prison, so he's held himself <laughs> up in the um, uh, slaughterhouse. And they, my favorite line might be in this entire game is, "Oh no, Russell can comprehend prison." <laughs> when he said that, it was just like 
it was just Jimmy being like, wait, Russell can comprehend prison? <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> and it puts Russell in this weird context for all the things he's been doing. <laughs> um, the the idea of, first of all, you have to go get Russell. Um, I think there's probably a stealth way of doing that. I just ran in and dodged cops and grabbed Russell and gone. Um, cops are kind of, they get tired so quick mm-hmm. that you can usually kind of just dance around enough and you can get by uh, but I do like the fact that all the outsiders, including Jimmy, who's been expelled, all now have to unite to go bring peace to the school. I'm going in with my army, and we're going to be the peacemakers in this situation. My favorite Russell line, Russell heart people for peace. <laughs> it's America. We'll just go in with threats and bribes until we get what we want. This is another great. <laughs> this is another great line. But Russell will be like, Russell will heart people for peace. <laughs> great. Um, and the open world reaches this like full mass hysteria point where you're walking in. They don't care about you. Just they're just gunning for each other. It's just nards like, fighting jocks, jocks fighting preps, um, greasers, greasers rolling up rolling and knocking people. It's so good. Um, my favorite thing is also you get to the school grounds. Everybody's like, uh, "Okay, what are we gonna do?" Is like we're gonna take down all the leaders that will bring people. We're gonna get everybody under control. And every guy's the Godfather s- moment where it's like we need to take down everybody to like establish that like we're gonna be in charge again. And everybody just scatters, you know, like everybody takes off in different directions to go do missions. And you and Russell literally roll around. Um, I started off with I think the greasers beat down Johnny. I did mm-hmm. the preps next, um, then the jocks, and then finish with the nerds. Uh, the nerds was, they once again set a fire in the gym and were burning. They had the mascot's head on a wooden pike and was like dancing around it also, on fire. I'm like, this is Is it fantastic. the one guy dressed the exact same way as the guy from Revenge of the Nerds? Probably. I want to say the leader of the Nards is dressed in the exact same clothing as the guy from Revenge of the Nards. Oh, you finally get to beat the crap out of oh, Ernest, it and so it feels good. so good. I kicked him a couple of times. I just basically I grabbed him, headbutted him, and then kicked him on the ground a few times, <laughs> and it was like right in the balls. <laughs> it was just um, the, cathar- be- the catharsis in this chapter is. I tell you, the really Nards good. are the real, the real evil ones. They are. They're the worst of all of them. Uh it was very fun, you know, the concept of bringing peace. And then you get to the, uh, you go back, you roll it into the school, and then you get the Metal Gear Solid kind of like, brother kind of thing of him standing. <laughs> well, like, there's a weird moment where the, the perfects grab you, they take your stuff, and then Russell runs them off. Did you know this is going to be a one-on-one fist fight? And then it's just Gary standing at the top of the steps just being like, you idiot. Look, I've I've finally have claimed the school. We finally get the villain speech, and it's not all in one; it's in little pieces as you're like going up the building. You he's literally just taunting charge. you. He's laying down his whole plan, how he betrayed you, because this is not like as you were saying, like an Ozamandius thing. He was like, I already won. Yeah, I already like knocked you to the curb and everything. I'm just, I didn't have to do a. Sp- beach so you could stop me i'm doing a speech because i beat you yeah it's, it's like, like it's great... oval dude and i love jimmy just being like it's not oval i'm gonna kick your ass <laughs> but like you're chasing him up the towel of the school and 
there's some cool stuff um i feel like walking across the planks yeah was kind of just like a matter of luck whether he hits you or not so i had to do that like climb back up on the ball pole a whole lot um my favorite thing about this was the music did you notice like the music was the da 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 like operatic chant except it was done like a, the bully like style like uh just a single guitar yeah. thing. yeah i was like that's it's chef's vague. kiss beautiful and it's raining <laughs> it's pouring rain outside it's dark yeah it's a, it's 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 a classic action movie moment uh, you're climbing ladders and he's pushing down cinder blocks on you, so you're having to like lean to the side. The bells of the school falling that you have to dodge and everything as he's like taunting you. As still. he's standing across the way and you're like trying to get to him and like bells are falling at your feet, um, and it leads to a great fist fight where you're fighting and literally falling down scaffolding as you go. Like, you would punch them, and you'll both crash through the scaffolding into the next level. It's an easy boss fight, but it makes sense that it's easy. Yeah. Like, I've seen this on a few lists uh, through, throughout years of saying, like, this is one of the easiest boss fights in video games. But I'm like, yeah, but I don't care, because it feels good to punch his face in. It, like, would be, it would be weird if Gary was all of a sudden, like, a physical threat. Because why would he have needed Nano machines and just... <laughs> but why would he need Jimmy? Like, exactly. that was the point. He's not a physical threat. He's a mental threat. He's smarter than you are. But he's not stronger than Jimmy. So when Jimmy finally gets his hands on him, it should be... I didn't get hit once. It's like Gary. when Batman finally has his hands on the Joker. Joker can't get his way out of it, but... Exactly. Yeah. It's Exactly. It's that, to the point. The Joker shouldn't be, like, physically overpowering Batman... It's Joker's, it's his insanity and his intelligence that causes him to be dangerous. When I got to Gary, I never got punched once, except in the moments where he like grabs you. You have to like tap the button to knock him back off. Yeah. But like he's not a physical threat. That's why he had to have Jimmy. If he was a physical threat, he would have done this himself. But my favorite thing is you crash into the ceiling in front of the principal. It's like, who's like great way to end the fight. He's tied to a chair. Yeah, <laughs> literally Gary tied him up. <laughs> when well, he said, I tied up the principal, I forgot about this bit. When he, he says, I tied up the principal, I thought he meant like metaphorically. But no, I should have known better that nothing is subtle in this game. No, he should have <laughs> tied him up. He's literally tied to a chair. And he's like, I heard everything. He's like, come untie me, boy. And Jimmy like unties him. And he's like, Jimmy, you're a hero. <laughs> you know, instantly he does the scumbag. Like, I knew you were such a smart boy kind of thing. But he's like, uh, he's like, take out this trash. And you pull P uh, Gary out of the room. But what I like is, you know, he's getting like, you're reinstated. You're, you know, a hero. But he's like, but Jimmy doesn't forget the other people. He's like, wait, wait, wait. There's a kid named Pete. He's kind of quiet. You don't know him. He's like, he must be a genius. <laughs> and then he's like, there's this girl named Zoe who reported the you know gym teacher for being a scumbag. She's he's reinstated, like, he's fired. Yeah, he she's reinstated, he's fired. Next time you see her, she's wearing a bowl of yeah. shark. But um, yeah, he's like, basically, Jimmy doesn't forget the people that brought him here. Um, I really enjoy this last scene. It shows that Jimmy's a you know the good guy here. Uh, everybody gets theirs. I would have liked if we got to see 
more of some of these characters so this means even I, more i wish it had yeah especially this last bit here with zoe like again i wish we would have met her sooner so that way this like meant more to us yeah as it did to jimmy because we got i think that more pete would have been nice just more screen time mm-hmm. but we got enough of them that it means something when when jimmy's like no when jimmy talks pete. to when jimmy talks pete up it's like yeah pete earned that he was he stuck by your side he never gave up on you he was the only true friend that jimmy had i wish they would have done the zoe stuff maybe in chapter four yeah like you could have done the get back at the gym teacher stuff in four mm-hmm. um just so zoe is more of a established in the story by the time you get to because like five quarter of the way through the last chapter of this game is when we finally meet her yeah you literally don't get a ton of time with her um and i know there's a summer vacation stuff where you can just do side content but i don't think she has any side content i don't remember she does too because i think all the missions can be completed technically before the end of the game yeah so i don't think she does so it really it kind of sucks that she doesn't get more screen time uh you want to do final thoughts? You got anything to say before we go into final thoughts? I have a few things because I did explore some of the open world after I finished the game. And one thing I want to say, if you do plan on going back and doing the collectibles and everything, it's worth doing the go-kart races. Okay. In the, um, there's three street race go-kart missions and then five that you get at the, um, carnival. And if once you complete those, you get the go-kart to drive around town. It makes traveling a lot faster. And so doing everything is not lo- no longer the chore that it was. That's 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 a big plus because even the bikes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like getting from like the where the, the townies are to like the other side of town, it takes some time on the bike even. Yeah. So and on the skateboard, it takes a long time. But having the go-kart would be really nice to be able to hop in there and just be... It is really nice to, like, be able to move a lot faster. I don't know if you can get... Where you can get more mopeds. I imagine that's probably, like, a unlock somewhere down the line and everything. But I might go back, and this is a lot more of, of an easy completion than it was on the PlayStation 2. Judging by, like, if you complete the classes, you do have access on the map to... All of the collectibles and everything in this game. If you want 100% it, this is the version to do it. Absolutely. There are more missions to do and everything, but I think those missions like the Christmas mission line that we did added to the game in an interesting way. I about to say the Christmas stuff was my favorite part of that chapter, so like mm-hmm. I'm not going to smart off at all and be like, oh, more missions. No, and that was a great mission. I didn't play all of the side content, but what I did was there, and there's some. There's a lot of side missions that are exclusive to the Scholarship Edition as well. A lot of the side missions, as they should be, because they're not the main focus, is more focus on the teachers and everything, which is a good you, way to play that. I think if it's content that was cut from the original game, I could see why you would cut it. If it's content that's added... It makes sense from a story point of view to add it around the teachers instead of trying to add it around the the other kids. Some of the stuff I played was definitely in the PS2 version as well, but there is more that I don't think I've touched yet that was added to the scholarship edition. Yeah, those. I want to say this: Chapter Five left me feeling a lot better about this game than I did last show. Because I was wondering if you would get to that point where you liked 
the game as a whole. This is not like when we do the rankings, <laughs> which if you want to know what the current status of the list is, we can you can go back and listen to the uh, one year anniversary show where we did the current status. But when we do the rankings, Bully is not going to go at the top for me right now, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not in the bottom. Yeah, It's a solid video game. I enjoy parts of it a lot. There's some stuff that I got issues with. Um, but five chapter 5 is actually my favorite chapter of the entire game. And I wish that some of that content was more spaced out into the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted more time with characters like Zoe. I want to know more about the townies. Edgar had was only in that one mission where you introduced yeah, him. Yeah, like, well. Edgar could have been... Ego could have been like a guy you've seen around the town. So like when he's revealed as the guy that's like leading the townies, it made sense more. Like yeah. I felt like he was Ego, uh, Zoe, you know, Russell disappears from the game. You know, after chapter one, we talked about we never see Russell until chapter five. The bullies are not like a presence as they were in chapter one. They don't even have all. a. They don't hate you at the end like if you look at the faction list the bullies are the only ones who are still 100 percent. well and also like they're the only ones that don't like you don't have to bring them into line at the end like there's no bullies boss fight yeah it's preps greasers jocks and nerds um i just feel like in some ways there's some some of these missions would have been better put in the middle of the game so i could kind of get to know some of these characters and i would have liked to maybe in chapter four get to go to the area where all the townies are living whether the like the trailer park is like i explore that more because the first three chapters are you start at bullworth and you expand out the town chapter four is all in bullworth with the exception of like one mission i think i think you go down to where the greasers hang out like once yeah but like yeah i would have liked to explore that area more so by the time I get to Chapter 5, I'm okay with Chapter 5 being it, not having a new area, really. Because at that point, I want to be knowing my way around the town and be like, oh, you got to go here? Fine, I know where that's at. Because at that point in the story, you know, Jimmy's been in the town for what, like, uh, you know, six months? I mean, it feels it's like... It's been almost like we... In, we were at Chapter 6 in summer and, he, and winter and, like, the fall. So it's been, yeah, like eight months of like a school year yeah so he should know everywhere you know? yeah and i this is a good game i think i'm not like I said, i'm not a huge rock star fan but this is definitely something that i'm glad we played and of the games i've played from rockstar is probably one of my favorites i think uh red dead beats it out a little bit mm-hmm there's just some really good stuff in Red Dead, primarily because because of the uh, the ending of Red Dead. It's just such a when you come out of that barn, dude, <laughs> and, and the fact that that's not the ending oh, is man, a damn good video a, game. That's a great game. Yeah, so that I think that, but it's definitely in there. I think that when it comes to Rockstar, I enjoy their non GTA content a lot more than their GTA content. This is a stepping stone for Rockstar games to come. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. I think Rockstar, and you can see well they they take a lot of lessons from this. Uh, I don't want to be a down. I don't know if there ever will be a bull uh, bully too. 
I just don't think that's in the cards. I hope I'm wrong. Because but Bully is a game that is there's so much potential here with the setting, the characters, and everything. I don't think it hits the heights it could. Oh it's, yeah. It, there's a lot here to love, and I always thought this was one of my favorite games on the PS2. Revisiting it, I'm like, this is still a really solid game, but I always, when I thought back to it, like the potential, like the open world and all the interaction, you realize going back to it, like 10 years later, it's a lot more limited than what you remember it as being. That being said, it is still... A really good video game, I think. I think the biggest thing this game has going for it is the potential. You're right. Like, potentially, this game could be... A sequel to this game could be a masterpiece. But I just really wish... I would love for them to do that. I just don't see it in the cards. I, I don't it's see... It's been I don't too see long to the point where it's like, do people... I, I'm one of those people who want to bully too, but is that financially viable for Rockstar in... The 2020s. I mean, we'll, uh, we're going to pull back the carton here. Yeah, I hope people... And people seem to be going back. But, like, we, this has not been the highest performing show. Like, not a ton of hype has been behind it. Which is a shame. Because I think about the games that people probably would enjoy going back to. This would be one that would be worth doing. Yeah. I just feel like the people who are passionate about Bully are super passionate about it. That subreddit is still sm- active, yeah. surprisingly. But I think it's a smaller group than maybe they're aware of. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it's a situation where like a lot of people really love this game, but I don't think it is en- enough people to actually justify a bully to, you know, coming out. Um, especially when if you're a rock star, financially you'd stare down like, well, yeah, we could do a bully too. We could make all the money with another Grand Theft Auto. Like, we can own a small country with the amount of money we can make <laughs> with another Grand Theft Auto. And so, I just, I, I, I really, I agree. Like, if someone came to me like, hey, man, would you play a bully too? I'd probably be like, yeah, yeah, I would. But I just don't think that it's got enough people behind it to actually make it happen. Especially when you look at the teams who made, like, Red Dead Redemption 2. That took all of Rockstar's all hands on deck to make a game as detailed and as expansive as red dead redemption 2 as well as the online for red dead 2 to do all that for bully would be like a substantial effort to make it on the same level as that game and you don't ever i know rockstar they don't ever want to like push back and like make something like smaller scale unless it's like really smaller scale like a table tennis 2 or even, something like that but even a table tennis like think about that game what it looked like at the time it was a pretty looking game for a table tennis game like it was like this seems like a tech demo that i would totally pay like 40 bucks for (laughs) yeah it's but you're right like are you going to invest the amount of money and personnel and time especially because they're getting to the point now where red dead came out what two years ago three years ago uh 18 so almost three years ago at this point. so almost three years ago so you're getting to the point you haven't seen anything from rockstar in a while i have a hard time doubting and gta 5 is what, 10 out, ten year old game? Uh, eight years at this point, I believe. Yeah, eight years. Eight years. Point. I have a hard time believing that the next release from Rockstar is going to be a bully, too. It's going to probably be a, a new Grand Theft Auto. If you need uh, to do that anymore, because you could just write out Grand Theft Auto Online. It 
it is a lot more limited than I thought it would be. When you saw the potential, you're like, they're going to add all the cities from the old games. They're going to do all this stuff. And what has it been? It's like, oh, you got Tron-like cycles and some stunt cases I think if you and heights. That game is immensely profitable, but I think if you do anything, you do what you're describing. You make a Grand Theft Auto that's like, and this is going to be the one where you can go to San Andreas, you can go to Vice City. You know, I think that they've proven that it's it's going to work. The next one is probably the one you see that it's going to have, like the ability to add the old cities to it. You can go to Liberty City, you can go to Vice City, you can go to you know all that. But I think that you that's the next thing they release. Um, all in all. I'm glad we played this video game. Me too. It's it was, very good it was a fun to revisit this one. It was very good. It was definitely something unique also. Um, Even though we did recently play an open world game with uh, Sleeping Dogs, this is very much a different style. Yeah. The combat, it has some similarities, but... I think tone is so different, it's hard to compare. Exactly, yeah. Um, and boy, Alan Wake is still better than Sleeping Dogs. Um... <laughs> um, it's carved in the stone there's no change there's no change somebody must have made a mistake on the stone um, we now need to talk about what we're going to play next um, this is a game that we'll go, Nick's going to be joining us on the next game uh, next uh, series thanks to some clever editing Michael's going to be doing it hasn't been spoiled yet what we're going to be playing <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to be playing Bioshock, the first Bioshock. Um, this was my suggestion. Uh, I wanted to play one of the Bioshock games. I thought we would play Infinite. I replayed that about, about, a, year, about a year ago now. And after some replaying through it, I decided, you know, maybe not. Um, so I pitched Bioshock instead. And, uh, Michael, you never finished Bioshock. This is a game I played about half of and never wrapped okay. up. I played it when it came out, and I want to say Nick played it when it came out. So it's been 2000 and... The roles have reversed. I'm the first... I'm the one yeah. who hasn't finished this game, so... <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've, I've touched the original Bioshock. I'm going to be playing the remastered edition. Um, I believe you're playing the 360 edition. Taking my old 360 disc and popping in my Xbox One. Right on. That backwards compatibility has like an unlocked frame rate too, so I'm still getting 60 FPS on it. So I, I, I looked to see if I was getting a good frame rate before I popped yeah. it in because 2007 video game. On yeah, I could see how that's going to go. I think Nick is probably playing on PC. Um, I am thoroughly enjoying looking uh, – I mean looking forward to playing this. Um. There's a lot to take into consideration about Bioshock. Uh, Bioshock, to me, is on the... I'm trying to find a way to ward this without sounding... Putting over-importance on something. It's on the... It's When video games started trying to tell, quote-unquote, more thought-provoking stories... Bioshock to me is one of the first ones that really try to bring about some politics, some thought-provoking stuff into the game. It's not the first one to do it by any means of the imagination. It's the first one that really went to the zeitgeist. And... Yeah, it's the first one that went mainstream. Yeah. Well, people were like, 
people were like, this game is talking about stuff. That was the game that made everyone rush out and buy an Xbox 360. That yes. was like the... If you were an RPG guy, you bought it with Oblivion. If you weren't, an, if you were a shooter guy, you bought it with Bioshock or Halo, which yeah. I think they were the same year. I think so, Halo Three was the same year as Bioshock. So you, guy was like, "I'm getting it anyway. Might as well pick up this Bioshock thing." And then that's what. Well, I think, and yeah. also Bioshock, Bioshock had a lot of hype when it came out. I mean, those those early trailers and stuff really people, set the tone in an interesting people way. People were excited about Bioshock. It also it looked completely different than anything else at the time. Like I remember not knowing, not not like watching the trailer of like an underwater city with you know weird powers that you're shooting out of your hands and stuff and like it was something i've not seen i didn't see before at the time um i think i am the resident shooter guy uh the one thing i remember about bioshock and we're gonna learn if i'm correct is that on top of being a game that's got an interesting story it also has good shooting mechanics and good weapons and good um combat flow so i'm looking forward to going back into that kind of hit us up with some uh some facts here about this year Bioshock. Right. In 1997, Ken Levine, Jonathan Chevy, and Robert Furmeyer left their jobs at Looking Glass to form a new studio called Irrational. Looking Glass was known for System Shock and the Ultima Underworld games. And shortly after Irrational was formed, Looking Glass pitched the idea of co-developing System Shock 2. Like, hey, we're going to team up with the guys who left our studio and we're going to work together on a sequel to System Shock, make like a bigger game than the first one. And System Shock 2 was a vastly different game from the original. The first one was more like a sci-fi shooter, like a Doom clone almost. System Shock 2 was like a full-on sci-fi RPG. And you can't talk about Bioshock without bringing up System Shock 2. I mean, Bioshock is kind of like a spiritual succession. It absolutely is, yeah. So... While the game was a critical hit, sales did not live up to EA's expectations, because EA was a publisher on System Shock 2. And the enemy archetypes were the first things that was created about their next game. Right away, they were like looking at like enemy archetypes and how different like enemy types would like play off of each other. So the idea of like the big daddies and everything was concepted out way before they even had an idea for what the game was they like the idea of like an enemy hierarchy essentially i mean the concept of the big daddy and how the big daddy interacts in bioshock is kind of one of the de- definitive ways combat walks in bioshock mm-hmm. because if i remember correctly and like i said it's been a very very long time big daddies are not necessarily automatically hostile towards you you know, you have to sometimes engage them, but they have a job to do. They're protecting the little sisters. If you kind of stay out of their way, they'll stay out of yours. But obviously, there's only so much you can do there. Eventually, you're going to have to, you know, engage them. But uh, that's also, like, it's the reason why that's on the front cover of the game. Like, it's the definitive image of Bioshock. Exactly. And while no theme was set yet, they developed a demo using Unreal Engine 2 running on an original Xbox. The demo was a horror-themed demo that was set on a space station. This kind of sounds familiar to when we talked about uh, Dead Space. How Dead Space did not have the full idea yet, so they concept they made a demo on the original Xbox that was also set on a space station. So it's kind of cool that these two vastly different games had like similar beginnings well it's like similar yeah it's almost like uh well it's that stage of like okay how are we gonna we have an idea for some 
things that we want to see, but what do we actually do to bring it all together? Exactly. And Ken Levine was inspired by Art Deco design of Rockefeller Center on a trip to New York. And Levine had this idea for the story setting, style, and its antagonist based on Rockefeller Center. And on the gameplay side, designer Bill Gardner was heavily influenced by another game. You may have heard of it, Resident Evil 4. Particularly, it's, quote, gameplay-fueled storytelling. I I am intimately familiar with Resident Evil 4, as has been established on this show many times. I would never compare these two games. No, not not at all. But, like, it's interesting that rather than, again, like, Dead Space was like, let's make a Resident Evil 4. And it seems like the Bioshock team was like, Resident Evil 4 was doing some cool stuff. Let's take, like, the idea of, like, how the gameplay is very much tied into the storytelling and let's add that to bioshock like that was the thing they took away from re4 i can see that in re4 there is a lot of stuff where you're like what would have been in the past maybe a cutscene was a part of just the gameplay of re4 i think back about the um the initial chainsaw fight when the town when you're dealing with the chainsaw guy like, you navigate that entire... There's no, like, scene on a cutscene where you're, like, jumping out of the building and getting out of there. Like, that's just something you have to do. You have to physically walk your way up the steps, and the best way to get out of the building is jump out the window. <laughs> and so, like, and I can kind of see that, and then thinking back on my memories on Bioshock, there was a lot of that kind of stuff where there's not cutscenes or anything. There was, you know... And it's all tied to that first-person perspective is what I remember from... Bioshock. Yeah, you never see there's never like an outside person cutscene. I don't think you even break first person perspective at all in the game. Ever. Until the I think the very end. And after several design changes over the years, the setting, gameplay, and characters all shifting towards the development, the game finally released in August of 2007 to critical acclaim, winning multiple Game of the Year awards. And since then, it has been featured on several greatest games of all time lists. I I want to say, like I said, I played it in 2007. Um, the, the thing that stuck with me the most about Bioshock was it was the first video game that made me go look up some of the references to, like, people they were talking about and, like, people that authors and stuff like that they were talking about to try to understand, like, what these people's deal was mm-hmm. um that's something that ken levine i thought kind of perfected in infinite until i went back to it uh my memories on infinite were a lot more positive than my going back to it was gotcha i enjoyed infinite playing back through it again so i'm wondering if how i'm going to feel about bioshock because i have rose colored glass- glasses about this i really enjoy bioshock i remember loving it so I'm, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see <laughs> how Bioshock is going to, uh, to play through. Um, fun fact, the only reason why I played back through Infinite, not Bioshock, was we, I was going on that plane ride. And I was like, ah, oh, Infinite would be fun to play. It's all up in the skies and up in the air while I'm flying on a plane. And then I was like, well, I could play Bioshock too. But then Pl- Bioshock starts off with something you don't want to be doing while on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, okay, yeah, never mind. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited about playing Bioshock. Me too. A couple funny points here. 
The game was such a smash hit that 2K declared the game would be a multimedia franchise. And the president of 2K, Christopher Hartman, said, Look at Star Wars. It's a fight between good and evil, just like Bioshock. Yeah, you know, Bioshock, the game about fight between good and evil. Um, <laughs> I, I found that quote in Jason Stryer's latest book about the closing of several game studios, including Irrational Games, and that just was hilarious. <laughs> um, Irrational was a studio that fascinated me. They had a podcast that came out around the time that Infinite was getting close to release and they talked about the history of their studio mm-hmm. and it was a lot of interviews with like ken levine and other kind of key members of the studio and it's a studio that to me couldn't get out of its own way sometimes like the success was almost a detriment to them because you could tell there was like a vibe of like we made we made bioshock we can't not succeed and not we can't drop the ball on the next game when you know People think of Irrational, they immediately, both from outside the studio and even inside 2K in general, Ken Levine is the name you think of. And that was to the studio's detriment, because Ken Levine, after Infinite released, was like, I'm going to form my own studio, because like, we started out as like a small team and we grew substantially, I don't recognize a lot of the faces here, so I'm going to go and form my own studio. And that was the point when... 2K was like, all right, just shut the whole thing down. Fire everybody because we can't have the studio without Ken Levine. Irrational so. made some like fascinating games before Bioshock. They were the uh, the SWAT guys. They mm-hmm. did SWAT 4. They did um, a, a superhero RPG Diablo kind of game called I believe, Freedom Fighters or something. Not Freedom Fighters. That's a, that's a no, different that's game. a different game. It was, a, it was like a superhero game with like original characters it didn't have a license tied to it hmm. uh irrational did some weird cool stuff so it's kind of a shame that when ken levine left they just assumed irrational was therefore dead you know um freedom force freedom versus force. the third right what is this it's this like looks a, cool it's like a over the head diablo style team-based action game it's it's weird the player guides a team of superheroes as they travel back in time to help overthrow nazi germany why haven't i heard about this this seems cool you and a lot of other people did not know that irrational made a lot of really cool video games before bioshock pc Um, exclusives it seems like from the they were a pc studio before bioshock it seems yeah because like swat 4 was a pc game too Mm -hmm. um but yeah man i am looking i am looking forward to this uh so michael What's our stopping point? What we're going to be playing to? I did not want to get delve too much into spoiler territory like I did with Dead Space again. So um, we're playing up to a boss fight with a character named Martin Finnegan. Every walkthrough and um, guide I looked at had that around like the halfway point. So I figured that would be a good stopping point. Like a nine hour long play. This was exactly four and a half hours in. Yeah. So I was like, all right. This seems like a good cutoff point. Um, There's a clearly defined enemy. That's a good stopping it's point. It's a boss fight. Yeah. Um, we're going to be a two-parter. Yep. So we'll play up to the Martin Finnegan Martin boss Finnegan. fight. Yep. And then we'll finish the game on the next section. Uh, we'll be obviously seeing you guys in two weeks. Like I said, we're looking forward to having Nick back to join us on this one. This will be our game that kind of takes us to July. Um, and as, as always, you can check us out. 
Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at State of the Save. You can send your emails to at State of the Save at gmail.com. And uh, like I said, five five star reviews, and in the comments, you just have to say play Sonic Adventures 2, and we will put it down as playing Sonic Adventures 2. If you haven't played it, that game starts out with Sonic as prisoner of the United States government and has to escape from a plane. It's it's the most bonkers video game Jesus you would ever Christ. see. It's wonderful. <laughs> Stay safe out there. I'll see y'all. <laughs>